Jensen Button, thank you for finding time to talk to us here on Gareth Jones on Speed. Obviously, you must be very busy this morning. You're welcome, baby. What a remarkable race. Yeah, well, I woke up this morning. I can scarcely believe it myself. Adrian Suttill didn't crash until at least the sixth corner of the first lap. And any other news, Jensen? Um, well... Gareth Jones on Speed! Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Richard. Hello. And he's Zog. Hello. I know quite a lot has happened in Brazil, but we're going to save our review of uh, Jensen Button World Champion and the whole season uh, for our programme that happens immediately after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, because today we want to talk about a few other things. Uh, Not that we're terribly well prepared. This show doesn't... Uh, well, it does. It just sort of happens, really, doesn't it? We just sort of make it up as we go along. <laughs> yes, we do. But the nearest we ever get to organising what we're going to talk about in the show is the odd phone call or email that's exchanged. And I had a great... You don't know about this, dog, but I was talking on the phone to uh, Richard uh, last week, or this week. He was off somewhere. I'm saying, yeah, we're recording. That. Can you be there on that date? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this conversation, which wasn't very long, was interrupted at least four times. Yes, yeah. By Richard noticing extraordinary vehicles just going to, past. Just to fill in, because I uh, was on the M40, I, I turned off to go and get some petrol at this little petrol station in Gaydon, which is near where Jaguar, Land Rover and Aston Martin are based. So I filled up with petrol and I'd bought a sandwich to eat, so I pulled into a lay-by to eat my sarnie. thought, I'll give Gareth a call while I'm here, just to check we're still recording. We're chatting away... And a new Jaguar XJ went past. Nice start. In dark blue. It looked brilliant out in the real world. It, mm. I, I'm, I'm quite a fan of the way that car looks, and I know a lot of people aren't, mm. and, and there's a lot of debate about the back end. But certainly in dark blue on big wheels, it looked superb, really, really distinctive and stylish and, and quite impressive. Do you think Citroen should sue for the rear end? It's, it is quite Citroen, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's, yeah, in a weird way, but not like any sort of specific Citroen you yeah, can name. Yeah. But if Citroen had come up with it, you'd have gone, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a Citroen. Whereas yeah, I yeah. think it's quite brave for Jag. But I, I genuinely do like it, and having seen it out in the real world in context with sort of uh, other traffic, it, it just looked great. But then what was funny was I, saw, I went to Gary, I thought, oh, I've just seen a new Jag X. Oh, God, it looks good. That looks really good. Then I looked in my mirror. There was... Uh, nothing coming the other way and it started weaving wildly side to side across this main road I'm guessing because it's obviously a development car <laughs> yeah, the test driver was giving it doing a some kind of and... calibration thing on the suspension so then we're chatting away again and this just it became the road of interesting cars because it was like every other car that went by was something a bit a bit interesting a Ford racing Puma went by and they mm. always look good and you don't mm. see them around so much so yeah. that was great and then uh, Fiat Punto our Bath went not, by okay. not uh, many of them to yeah, the exactly yeah. white with the black arch extensions Aww. on it mm-hmm. and it looked really cool and I haven't seen one on the road before so I thought Gareth that's a fit, 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 great. Fit, put to our bath and then a squadron of fighter jets <laughs> flew overhead I'm not making this up I promise you I think they were hawks or something like four or five of them flew overhead and I went there's, a, there's just some fighter planes have just gone overhead it's really, really strange and, oh god there's a bowl of wildcats gone by a bowl of wildcats this is sort of a Bermuda Triangle in reverse it was really strange it was bizarre and, uh, and what I didn't tell Gareth was actually just after I came off the phone from him and had set off but driving back towards the motorway um, a development mule for that new small Range Rover the LRX went past it's just like a hacked about Can you believe that? All covered yeah. in black tape. Well, I was right by their R&D place. So it's not totally surprising, but it's still, you know, interesting cars. And so yeah. I, but I was on the phone to Gareth after the, the, the bowl of Wildcat had gone past and the squadron of fighter planes had gone over. 
this is like a weird dream. It's like I'm, I, I'm on the phone to Gaz Top, and there's all these interesting cars going past and planes flying overhead. I was half expecting Angela Lansbury to suddenly be in the passenger seat of the car. Yeah, with, with, with what sandwich was this? What, what, what did they put in it? It was, uh, it was an LSD and heroin sandwich <laughs> with mayonnaise. Had a bit of bad bread, a bit of ergot in me. That, that's it, ergot. ergot. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, the hallucinogenic yes. mould. Yeah. My job many years ago was to remove the ergot from the wheat in a laboratory I worked in. <laughs> I know about Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true. Now, I happen to know, Richard, that whilst that was a surreal car moment for both you and me, thank you for sharing uh, on the phone, and now we've shared it with our listeners. Zog, you had an equally yeah, I, surreal yeah, car moment. I did have a surreal... Yeah, rather, rather, just a couple of days ago, I went to uh, New York for uh, just a couple of days for the wedding of an old friend, and the morning after I got there, we just went out for a little walk around Brooklyn, which is uh, where I'm staying. And when we get to about the second intersection of Clinton Street and Union or something... Don't tell us, don't tell us, don't tell us. OK, right, right no, you know. No, I'm just... We've, Zog's painted the scene now. He's in Brooklyn, yes. New York, right? Now, if you're listening to this show, like Richard and I probably... At the moment, I know the answer, but I'm sure, Richard, through your head, you're thinking, OK, what's Zog's scene in New York? What's the first thing that comes to mind? A New York car was something like kind of 70s caddy, like a real yep. fantastic caddy, yep. something like that. Yeah, it wasn't one of those. Would you be likely to see No. Was it one of those, was it? Wasn't no. it a Checkers Marathon cab either, was it? It wasn't, although I had in my own mind that that be the kind of thing that I might be looking out for on the streets. Mm. But no, uh, what do I see? A UK registered Robin Reliant advertising <laughs> a local fish and chip shop. <laughs> in Brooklyn. On a similar tip, <laughs> I was in Los Angeles a few years ago, and there was a bit I was driving. Garrett's lost it. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I forgot to mention I the thought of a reliant Robin advertising the fish and chip shop. It's just oh my god, that's so British. Um, and uh, I hear like in England only three wheels on the car. They they don't have like the four wheeled car yet. It's turning to Woody Allen. <laughs> and, but no, I, I was in LA, and uh, there was this road that I drove down uh, quite a lot, sort of on the way into Hollywood and there was a house there that had a Larder Reva on the drive Yay. Oh, that's got, that, I know but again I can't even begin <laughs> I was so fascinated by it that, that, and I, I drove it down there a few times and is Alexi Sale working well, in Hollywood exactly. these days? I always thought I, I should stop and knock on the door. Because <laughs> it's quite a well-to-do neighbourhood as well, sort of that top end of Hollywood. It's not it's not super ritzy like Rode, uh, um, what's it called, Mulholland Drive, but yeah. it's but it's uh, it's nice. They, and there was a Larder Reaver on the drive. And no other cars as well, suggesting it was their only car. Maybe it had been brought in as a prop for a TV show, well, movie yeah. or something. And that's the thing, uh, I guess. You know, yes, it could. That's a very, good, a very good, plausible reason that I hadn't thought of at the time. I just thought it was a lunatic. Oh, um, sorry, just Equally speaking, possible. I mean, I thought no, you were going to say the whole lunatic thing because what I thought you might were going to say was that it had been brought in by a car manufacturer, you know, to for, to assess and then sold off. <laughs> yeah, check out the advanced technology. Exactly, it's, it was just, <laughs> just let's have a laugh at the commies bringing one of their awful cars. But there was a thing I was looking at on the internet, an article about the Chevy Volt, and some journalists a few months ago were invited to GM's tech centre to have a look at the latest running prototypes. And there were some pictures of them inside this sort of garage where they'd got them. And in the background, which wasn't mentioned in this article, there was a Fiat 500 just parked up, oh. which obviously... Now, you know that Dodge or Chrysler are going to start selling the 500 yeah. in the US, but GM aren't. They have no dibs on that car. So they'd obviously just got it in for assessment, but it, they'd left wow. it just there in this garage at the back, and mm. it wasn't referenced. I was like, that's really interesting, because... 
they, they've chosen that to have a look at it now maybe because yeah. they know that Chrysler are going to start selling it there and they want to know what the opposition are going to be mm-hmm. doing but I just found it very interesting that you do get these strange cars on strange continents and sometimes that's the reason why they're there it's for assessment yeah. Yeah. but not Reliant Robins or Larda Reavers no, no. I, would you drive was it a Robin was it a Regal it was a Robin a proper Robin was it uh, it was a proper uh, it, 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 wasn't, on, it uh, wasn't the trotter vehicle I'm, I'm, f- forgive me I'm not a connoisseur of uh, <laughs> did it have uh, square headlights or were they round ones it was a later sort of slightly looked um, like a metro at the grill a bit. yeah yeah it yeah. was a Robin. You're right. Well, they were, yeah, but no, but they were Rialtos, and then oh, they indeed. became Robins again. True, true. We're displaying too much knowledge about something we shouldn't. No change there. <laughs> Have to be quick. This is Jensen Button. You're listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. This is Jensen Button, and you're listening to Gareth. Jo- this is Jensen Button, and you're listening to Gareth. I can't see your name. Gareth Jones. I know who your name is. Hey, I'm Jensen Button, and you're listening to Gareth Jones on speed, definitely. Gareth Jones on speed! It's a little bit funny! Definitely. One of the things I hate on TV programmes and these radio programmes is where the presenter says, and this is the part of the programme where we talk about this part of the programme. You know, it, that, that's thinking time. That's a classic presenter <laughs> not finding an original way to talk about what's about to happen on the show, right? It's the clumsy way in. But I'm going to do it in a post-ironic sense. This is the part of the programme we talk about the cars that we've been driving because we've amassed a bit of a catalogue. Oh, hang on. Uh-oh. Oh, hang on. Another TV presenter's coming. <laughs> that was the part of the programme yes. where you talked about it being the part of the programme, ah! wasn't it? <laughs> We're going to vanish. Some kind of strange <laughs> Meta- causality loop. We're in a presenting it's causality a, a loop. a strange loop, as uh, Hofstadter would call it. <laughs> so the, these cars that we've <laughs> sorry, been driving... <laughs> sorry, I'm slightly confused. I'm having another dream sequence. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Thora Heard to come in and offer me a plate of cat food. <laughs> How often does that happen in your career? I mean, really, I, please tell me it's not that. I eat a lot of cheese. OK, yes. <laughs> I've been driving some very interesting cars. Uh, I'm going to save one of them, uh, one of the red ones, for a chat a bit later on. But I want to talk about uh, a car which everybody apart from me, I think, hates. I had a Mercedes R-Class for a couple of weeks, actually a week and a bit, in the summer to go camping. Now, you know the R-Class. It's a great big galaxy and a half. You know, it's a sort of... box. Yeah, it's a big box. Based on the same chassis as the, what do they call it, the ML series Mercedes, yeah, the four-wheel drive? And G-class as it is now. Yeah. yeah the, the four uh, and I want to know why people really hate this car, because people do really hate this car. I know it's huge, but that's the idea. That's what it's for. That's, that, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. And I think it's huge in a nice way as opposed to the way that the Q7 is oppressively huge. It yes. just dominates you. Yes. And I don't think this car does dominate. But I thought it was great. I loved that car. I yeah. really, really loved that car. And I remember when I said this to you before, you said it like uh, someone from South Park. Really? Your head went to one yeah. side. Really? <laughs> you loved it? You, can't, you were surprised. I'm speaking from a position of relatively little knowledge because I haven't driven an R-Class, but that doesn't stop me from not particularly liking the idea of it. Because, as you say, it's big. And I understand that's because I think it was designed predominantly for the US market, and that's fine. Cars are bigger there. But why should Mercedes bother to sell it here? You know, they well, a few at the same time as they've got that little four by four now. The uh, what are they calling that? The the, the, the BBA size four by four. Yeah, well, um, so it's based on the C class. 
and they couldn't even be bothered to engineer it for right-hand drive. Well, you think, actually, apart from the fact that it is goppingly ugly, but if it wasn't, they'd probably sell quite a few here. But you're saying you know, it, it, it's essentially you know, a US-sized vehicle for UK-sized yeah, yeah. roads. Yeah, and so it just seems a little yeah, bit unnecessary, and lo and behold, they've sold about three. So, and Also, I just think it's, it's, it's rather horrid-looking, certainly from the front. See, I don't, I don't. I don't see how it's any less horrid-looking. I think it's better-looking than the B-Class, which looked like it's been caught between two sliding doors. Well, now, there's a pointless be. car as well. The, the B-Class, class, I understand, and, yeah. the, and the latest A-Class that I have driven, and I think is, is quite a reasonable little car, but a B-Class... If you want an A class that's ever so slightly bigger, ever just so slightly, slightly bigger, just yeah, slightly. Yeah. But this is much. a trend now. Ford are doing this with the C Max. The C Max is going to be the C Max, the Grand C Max. Yeah, well, that's as established the sort Grande. of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not much different from that. But the R class, it's a curious thing because it's not really your family wagon at all. It, it isn't. It's better off with six sort of captain seats, I think. Yes. And I think that's probably where they're selling it, not just America, but places like Hong Kong. You know, it's a. Oh, and, how, and how often do you drive it around with more than one or two? Well, we loaded it up to the absolute gunnels to go camping. So it was Violet and me and the two boys and, you know, the big tent and the table and the kitchen. I'm kidding you not. <laughs> uh, and the, the four sleeping bags and the, the inflatable beds and all the fishing kit and the model aircraft and the nets. And okay, it, for a trip like that. Yeah. It's a great kind of thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, you've got a lot of space. But other than that, when you had it for any of the time that you might have had for just regular everyday living yeah. rather than making a big trip, wasn't it too big? Well, yeah, maybe this I is mean, the point. Maybe it's not a multi-purpose vehicle. Right. And this is why maybe people... I think it's a very specific purpose vehicle. You know, you would only have that car if you were going to fill it to the gunnels every time you used it. I mean, to be fair, when we got down to Dorset, we set up the tent, you know, we folded out the, the two back seats and we, 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 we drove around with seven people in it all the time. We made, you know, mm. oh, would be green it was, it was a green car in that respect we weren't taking a Picasso and this you know we were all in the one car and it's four by four which is a good thing if you want to go camping you know mm. it's kind of handy sure. and it was great fun arriving at the campsite because everyone had set up all the tents in a circle and it was really wet so I just came in got the back end round it was just it was showing off really um, but also did a bit of fast cross country stuff in it I you not as they say on that program I drove from Dorset to Somerset and back in the pouring rain over some fantastic roads that undulate vertically as well as left and right with a baby in the back who slept the whole time and a lady who's perhaps not a great traveller in the front and we smoothed and went quickly and then on the way back I drove like a bat at hell on my own in this big car it did not disappoint it was better than driving I wouldn't say an S Max but a previous generation Galaxy, which I'd driven the mm. week before, it made that thing mm -hmm. seem like a bucket. And I was like the Galaxy. It was, you know, mm, you know yeah, what yeah. you were doing with it. So I think it actually handles quite well. But it's compromised. Because it's based on this 4x4 chassis, you've got all the running gear under the rear load platform. So the rear load hatch is like a letterbox. Oh, and right. you don't really have the massive space in the back that you mm. might expect, like we had from that Peugeot van the year before. And you've got to lift stuff up higher to actually get it in. There's a bit yeah, of that, yeah. bit of that. But in terms of ride, my boys always complain that they feel sick whenever I'm driving. I think that's my fault. <laughs> they never did. They complain in the R class V. Not once did they. And that was without a TV and none of that stuff. You know, they, they were happy. Yeah, you can't remember. You liked it, didn't you? It was great. Okay, it was. I really liked it for camping. I don't. I wouldn't want it for a city. And it had the most expensive headlights I'd ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Mr. Benz, Zenon, there you go. That's, that's one for your that's posters and adverts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what. I well, it could 
you've probably heard of these, but I've never heard of these. It could poke them round corners. Yes. Disappointingly, they didn't come out on stalks and actually kind <laughs> like of a crab that bit costs even to a, more. An autonomous robot that yeah. would yeah. go running along and then fix your tea on the wet and come. Yes. No. No. <laughs> so I, I, I won't have a word bad said against the R class. It was like a goddamn limo. It really was. And what about the headlights? The headlights were very expensive. Were they good? They were superb headlights. <laughs> Honestly, we, we were in some pretty inclement weather at some point. Do you remember coming back from mm-hmm. Bournemouth? And, oh, and it was... But it, Honestly, it lit up the night like the future. Uh, cool. I know I'm out on a limb here saying I like this car, but I really, I believed in the car beforehand that I wasn't... I was only slightly disappointed. Only slightly, because I thought it had a bit more room in the back. Mm. Okay. Go. All right. Well, the R-Class. There we go. Uh, but do you know what I like best about it? That it's gone. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. You just don't see him. Yeah, that's true, you don't. And I love rare cars more than anything. That's why I drive an oddball myself. Mm. Sven, hi. Trent Steele. We're delighted that Volvo's chosen us at Hot Oxygen as your new branding consultant. So, hey, let's talk. How can we help you guys? Well, in the past, Volvo's always stood for safety, environmental concern, and being sensible. Yeah. But now we would like it to stand for safety. Yeah. Environmental concern. Of course. And strawberry flavor. Yeah. What? Strawberry flavor. Uh, strawberry flavor. This is our next generation S60 saloon. Good. Have a taste. Uh, well, Sven, I can't help thinking that... Hmm, it is strawberry flavor. Good. Gareth Jones on speed made with an awful lot of interference from sniffpetrol.com. Hi. Richard, what have you been driving? <laughs> An estate agent once said that to me. Oh. In a, a, came around to Value of Flat I used to live in and uh, saw a BMW key ring on the little thing in the hall and went, oh what are you driving <laughs> and I said and it was this was years ago and it was when the, the current 5 series had just come out and it was one of those I just borrowed to have a go in and, uh, and I went oh it's a new 5 series and he went ah the slate grey one outside <laughs> slate grey Honestly, he knew the twerp. <laughs> Don't get me started. And then I just remembered something else before I move off this. That he went, yeah, I've got a, I've got a beamer. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh, three one eight coupe. Coupe. <laughs> there was two things wrong with that. You didn't spot the three one eight bit as well. Yes, exactly. Really. So you've got a yeah. four cylinder two yeah. door BMW. Yeah. Well yes. done, you. Ultimate yes. basic what, uh, Bell. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you've not what got, you've am got a I German driving? Car. I've got a German car. So um, the lovely people at Evo magazine uh, 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 let me run another long-term test car um, in their ongoing attempt to bankrupt me through paying for petrol because you know I, 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 I pay for my own petrol. I don't I don't charge it through the magazine or anything. So I had that Vauxhall VXR8 quite thirsty had that god awful Mitsubishi Evo quite thirsty now Mercedes E500 Coupe with a 5.5 litre V8 engine reasonably thirsty but by golly on a long run which I just did this weekend in it actually weirdly it's doing like 28 miles to the gallon which I think is pretty darn good 
on the motorway. Very good. Because it's a very yeah. slippery car, and I think that helps. Yeah, and it's yeah, got a seven-speed yeah. box. So I'm guessing that on the motorway, you know, it, it's it's well, it is high geared. I know because you can see the rev counter. It's sort of it's barely ticking over, sir. I got <laughs> in my coupe. And, I got uh, 28 miles to the gallon out of the R class. What uh, engine was that? It was the 2.8. The diesel. The ah, right. This S- is a, just to recap. This is a five point five liter petrol V eight. Yeah. But yeah, it's all right. Round town. Obviously, you know, it's still pretty thirsty. But it's all right. I, I don't have an awful lot to say about it because I haven't had it for very long. Except that all I can really say is that it, it's one of those cars that sort of does things you want to do. Is it it's a cute car? Well, a little bit. I'll tell you one thing. So I drove very briefly the E500 Saloon, not knowing that I was going to get this coupe, and I thought it was incredibly boring. But the coupe, by dint of the fact that you sit lower and it is a bit more uh, set up for sportiness, but also, unlike the Saloon, they've tuned it so you get a bit of V8 noise. It's a nice bit under acceleration. Uh They've just pitched it exactly right. It's not very loud, but it's there. So every time you clog it, even away from the lights in London, you think, yeah. That's my V8. Have you got a sport mode? Yes, it has. Um, yes. And does that make a big difference? I've got a problem with the sport mode, which is that it doesn't make a difference to the sound the engine makes. What it does do is it tightens up the damping. Now, actually, around London, because one of my problems with it, the ride is not as good as maybe it should be, mm. but it doesn't get significantly worse in sport mode. And if anything, when you go over speed bumps, the torta damping means it actually it's more comfortable because it doesn't pitch around so much. Yeah. But mm. it would be nice to separate. If you could just turn on the suspension in sport mode, but leave... Uh-huh. Yep. the gearbox yep. in non-sport because even if you just leave it it's an automatic even if you just leave it to change its own gears rather than fiddling with the paddles yeah. it hangs onto the revs too long which you don't want around town it's just annoying interesting mm. you say that I, I'm sorry to keep talking about this R-Class because I thought I'd dispense with it but something else I wanted to say about it was that I wish I'd had a bit more control over the car that I could change the settings from when it's just me on it to the full house you can get that on the I think the, the big they do an AMG version I think they do, yeah, they, 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 do yeah, they, so. they can do that but they on the do. lesser models it kind of needs it and it, it missed that so in that respect cars can be a lot more variable these days and your Merc you haven't quite got yeah. all those no, parameters it would be nice just to separate them which is you remember reading that the when Michael Schumacher was involved in the development of the Ferrari Scuderia yeah. one of uh, the things he asked for so they claim was that you know it's got that Manatino thing you can alter the settings on the steering wheel to, yeah. to change all these different parameters uh, he asked that you could leave the dampers in soft but have the gearbox in more aggressive and, and so mm. the, to mm. separate these functions so they weren't all bundled together in one flick of a switch yeah, which yeah. they duly did on that car and I would like to be able to do the same on my Mercedes but what I do like about it is you put it in sport mode and you put the gearbox in manual you've got these paddles and you, if you really want to go for it then it does become sort of a reasonably convincing sports car that you can chuck around it's not super sporty but it's enough yeah. um, it's but then you put it all in comfort mode and just let the gearbox change itself and 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 it's it's a nice little wafter, and it does get this V80 noise. It's very very comfortable. It's got a load of gadgets, which all seem to work quite well. And it's one of those good all round cars that I don't know who's going to buy it. It's fifty grand, and that's M3 money. But I suppose if you don't want an M3 and you don't want an Audi S5, there's which loads is of a those. Hell of a pretty car. Well, I decided. Uh, to. Sorry, there's loads of A5s around. Mm. Is it me, or are you surrounded by yeah, A5s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. aren't they doing yeah. well? I, I saw you were to say something. No, no, I was just thinking, you know, when you were talking about sort of, you know, wanting to separate out the control side of it and to be able to have a bit more discriminating about how it's, about how mm. you're changing the vehicle's behaviour. I absolutely take your point, and I think I haven't driven the car, but I could see that I might feel the same thing. But I wonder just, you know, how much that's somebody who's a bit fussy and a bit kind of geeky about cars, mm. and how much most people yes. just want a simpler oh, car I that works and they don't want to be fussed feeling, with that. Yeah, and, that you most know, people who buy that car, because they've said, I don't want an M3, ooh, too noisy and silly and 
and aggressive and they probably don't want uh, an S5 for the same reason because again that's a fairly firmly sprung car all the time and so they've come to this because they maybe can't stretch the big CL coupe but they want a Merc coupe because maybe the kids have left home and they want to treat themselves I'm mm. guessing it's for an older person they'll press that sport button once decide it's all a bit silly and never touch them. it again and they'll just go back to enjoying the things that Merc coupes have always done rather well like having a little arm that offers you your seatbelt when you get in and, and mm. the, it's, it's pillarless as well which is quite nice and it's just exceedingly comfortable so I can't really fault it in a, a major load of ways but I don't know I'll fill you in again in a few months time because I've got it until sort of the new year so we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this I'm sure we will and we'll look forward to it you've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed with the man called Zog goodbye the one called Richard bye bye and the one called me. But before we go, I'm going to play out a piece of music which I wrote two years ago to mark the passing of someone that Zog, Richard and I all hold really dear. When Colin McRae died, we were left a little bit empty on a a very um, genuine level. Uh, It's not often that we get that sort of uh, feeling, I think, but when Colin went, it, it felt like losing one of our own. I wrote this song in the style of Big Country and the Proclaimers uh, all in one uh, which may have been a bit insensitive two years ago but now that I've got Wales Rally GB coming up and it's getting close to the anniversary of the death of Stuart Adamson from Big Country so I felt I I had to do this this is not Big Country this is uh, Big County and they're not the Proclaimers they are the Reclaimers but this is our tribute to the genius that was Colin McRae it's called 500 Miles on the forest stage, it's quiet today, a legend has retired. His chiselled face and wicked pace were both to be admired. McCray would drive his car like hell, even if he lost a tyre. Heck, he would drive 500 miles with all his wheels on fire! How McCray got paid He could wear a bubble hat And make it look okay We'll rally round the brave heart That was Colin McCray We'll rally round the brave heart That was Colin With Nicky Grist, it seemed like yesterday. This Celtic click just clicked and quick went quickly straight away. I'm glad to say that I was there and I recall the day when the World Rally Championship was won by Colin McRae. Colin McRae 
To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Bang. <laughs>